Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. My name is Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist, and I am joined by my co-hosts, starting with Michael R. Fletcher. Hi, I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Path series, the City of Sacrifice series, the Manifest Delusion series, and some other book that nobody reads. Woo! So many series. And Rob J. Hayes. Hi, I'm Rob J. Hayes, and I'm going to go with, I'm the author of Drones, which is a sci-fi noir thriller about uh, emotions and people selling them and then using them like drugs. Fantastic. That's a cool idea. That's a pretty sick idea. Yeah, I know um, nobody's read it, but it's, it's cool. <laughs> it's always the ones that people haven't read that have like the we, coolest. We should do an entire in. episode on books we've written that nobody's reading. Yeah, I've like got that. a few. I'll put that in. Put that in books that we've uh, written that no one's read. That's cool. Um, so today's episode is all about finding your voice and style. And much like last week's episode, this comes from a patron question from Marcella again, who asks, uh, "General, can we talk about a general discussion about finding your voice and style and coming to terms with it as well?" Which is kind of an interesting tweak on that topic. Um, so voice and style, I guess, first of all, we should kind of maybe define a little bit what that sort of is. Um, do either of you sort of have a good definition for, for what your voice and style is when it comes to, you know, your work as a writer? Well, there's, I mean, a couple of different levels of it, right? Because there's, there's character voice. And, you know, if you do that well, every character is going to have, you know, sort of their own voice. But as, as a writer, your voice is... Um, is your prose um, and even then that you know will evolve you know it's it, are you all flowery are you all meat and potatoes is it a you know simple um, you know dumb ox of words approach uh, are you all about the you know the beauty of the language 
Um, are you simply describing a scene or are you sort of going about it sideways? Okay, so you're sort of thinking about it from sort of, yeah, these different, these different angles to, to voice and the style in which you're sort of executing the story. Is that similar for you as well, Rob? I think so. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, voice is kind of like the spices and herbs that you put into a dish, isn't it? It's like, you, you know, you've, you've got all the ingredients. That's fine. You know, the, the, the characters and the plot and, and all that lot. You've got, you've got the apparatus you use to cook it. That's the world. That's fine. Um, and then the spices that you use are what gives it the real flavor. And that, I feel that's your voice. That's the way that, you know, you, you can really start generating a lot of interest and, and stuff within the story because it really does color. Um, well, that's a mix of metaphors, isn't it? Color and flavor. Um, it really does color every part of the story um, in, in your way. If you look at something like um, a Joe Abercrombie uh, novel, just to pick an author who's mildly famous. Um, Putting it lightly, you can tell a Joe Abercrombie novel from just just from reading it. There's there's something about it, something in 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 the way it's written in every single sentence, which just sounds like Joe Abercrombie. Um, and and that's kind of the voice. That's that's his spice that makes it unique to him. Um, and yeah, so I think that's basically what voice is to me, at least. That's a good definition. And do you think that kind of, for both of you, do you think that voice and style is something that you need to consciously worry about as an author? Or do you think it's more sort of this byproduct that happens from just writing a lot of stuff and figuring out what your interests are? Writing and reading. I don't think you can discover your voice just by writing. I think that you need to read a lot as well. And you will probably start by imitating the voices of other authors. There's just no two ways about it. Like, your first book, you will not know your voice. Um, yeah. You just you won't have discovered it yet. Um, you might not even discover it by like your third or fourth book, and it might be that those first you know few books that you write are just this amalgamation of just different voices that are all just like bubbling up to the surface, and you're not sure which one's you yet. Yeah. Um, and the more you read and the more you write, the more you'll just solidify one particular voice and then that 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 will be it it will like Fletcher said it will change over time but I feel that the that first sort of hurdle is discovering it and the best way to do that is just to read a fuck ton and write a fuck ton yeah yeah my my first book was exactly that I, um the first draft of it was me trying to be Neil Stevenson writing Snow Crash and and just failing abysmally like so badly no one really catches it that it's totally a, a snow crash ripoff um beyond redemption my second book really was me sort of understanding that i i didn't have to copy um that i think that that was the book where i just went i'm, I'm just gonna write i'm just gonna i'm not gonna put any sort of attempt into writing like somebody i'm just gonna i'm gonna say what i want to say and i'm gonna say it the way i think i should say it um but i will say voice isn't something that should be the same through all your books um like the voice i use in the manifest delusions novels is very specific to those books because they're insane and so all of the that that colors like all of the way i describe things Whereas if you look at like City of Sacrifice or um, the Obsidian Path books, you get none of the same, uh, none of the same voice really. I mean, it's still me, so it's kind of the same, but like 
the manifest delusion stuff it's you know swirling diuretic bog water of clouds spinning into a slummy sink and that's you know like what the sky looks like you know and whereas in unrelated books you'll get something a little more um a little less purple but purple frankly worked for for manifest illusions it needed to be kind of into the purple territory sure and do you find because you've recently sort of been switching between multiple series with finishing off the the kind of blackstone heart trilogy and then also finishing off the uh the last book in, in the city of sacrifice series do you find that well first of all i suppose the question is are the tones that that different for you and then second of all when you are sort of switching between projects do you ever find it difficult to get back into the tone and voice for that world and if so what are some techniques that people can use to get back into that mindset yeah oh for sure um switching uh worlds when you're writing and if you're if you're sort of trying for a different um you know voice uh in in your different worlds which you probably should be um yeah, for sure. It's difficult. There's a like grinding gear change in between each. Uh, basically what I do is I go back and uh, I hate it, but I, I read one of my own books. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing worse than reading your own book. But like, so when I wanted, needed to get back into the Obsidian Path series, I had to go back and read the previous book. Um, and that one, you know, because it's first person, the voice is the character's voice. So it's got to be his and I have to get back into his head. I have to find his voice again, um, you know, which sort of going back, we'll do that. And when I return to the last uh, Obsidian Path book, um, I'm going to have to go back and sort of uh, like reread what I was doing before just to, to find, remember where I was, what I was thinking for that. Rob, was it similar with you? Because you uh, a while ago finished the War Eternal trilogy and then recently issued gone back and continued to write subsequent books in that series. Um, Was that like, yeah, a similar process for you going back into that? And then also what were the nuances of still writing this series, this new series from Eska's perspective, but presumably when she's a little bit older, if I understand (laughs) it. She's quite a bit older. Um, Yeah. uh, Like, it, it was actually quite tough because when uh, I, I originally started uh, the War Eternal in 2016, end of 2016, um, and then basically for two years, I was just in Esker's head writing Esker. Um, and then, yeah, there was sort of like, there was editing and all that as well, yeah. And then when I published it in 2019, I just thought, right, well, I'll, I'll have to write some more eventually. And then just took a big break. And yeah, going, going back into her voice was... It was tough because she is such a very distinctive voice as well. I, I quite often find this with with first person perspective because, as, as Fletcher says, the the voice is the book. Like they are just so closely linked, um, and to have a voice like Esker who's so dark and cynical, um, which was nice because it's kind of like I'm quite dark and cynical, but at the same time, um, it's kind of like you have to turn certain bits of yourself up to 11 um, and, and sort of squash other bits of yourself. So it, it was definitely tough to, to refine a voice after a, you know, a, a good year's break. Um, and especially as, because she is quite a bit older, she's changed. She's like 20 years older at this point. She's mellowed out a little bit. Um, only a little bit. I was going to so, say, I can't imagine her mellowing out too much. 
I mean, the, I think it's like the the first chapter. She gets she's she's a grumpy old lady. She just kicks a guy in the shins because she's Esker. That's what she does. It's it's either that or she burns him alive. Um, pick. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, exactly. So no, it, it it was tough. It was tough to not only move back into the the same voice after a while away from it, but also to change the voice in the way that it needed to be changed for the next story. Um, what I will say as well, though, I was. When I was first started writing, or when I was halfway through it, I was also writing another story at the same time, and it was a completely different type of story. It was there's a lot more sort of hope and 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 fun in it and and stuff. So that was it was it was strange to sort of like I was writing Esker in the morning, and then it was like yeah, as as Mike said, this sort of like massive gear change just to write this entirely different story in the afternoon. But at the same time, because it was so very different, um, it was refreshing. Mm. Um, just to have that sort of change it's it's it, I, I could I could move into this second story and I'd be like yeah I'm all refreshed whereas usually if I'm, I'm I get to like the afternoon I'm just like oh god still in this world still in this character it, it starts to become more of a slog so yeah ch- changing changing your voice can be <clears throat> difficult and it can be hard work and, and yeah but it can also be quite refreshing and fun was that more hopeful story guns of the 12th <laughs> hopeful guns of the 12th no uh yeah sorry this is this is a book that's like ages away from being a totally raised, different but, uh, one. okay cool Gu- no, no well like... no the guns of the 12th is like but um there's there's no hope in guns of the 12th fantastic it is the antithesis of hope no this is this is this uh this progression fantasy story that i'm writing at the moment which you can also read on my patreon page oh cheeky plug give us the details Exactly. Well, I'm currently calling it Codename Final Genesis. However, that's not the actual name of the, the piece. And uh, it's uh, it's a progression fantasy, um, which is also a science fantasy. It's, it's set aboard this sort of uh, migrant fleet a la uh, Mass Effect, where they orbit this giant um, spaceship called a Titan. They have to uh, hop over to, onto it to um scavenge supplies and the like but there are monsters and traps and all sorts and yeah the story follows a young boy who has to uh learn how to how to venture across this the spaceship and develop his powers and uh yeah it's quite fun sweet what's the details for your patron for that do they just search up your name on patron god i haven't got a clue probably I would imagine it's patreon.com slash Rob J. Hayes. Sweet. <laughs> Maybe this is why. Um, <laughs> I mean, for just $1 slash pound slash something a month, you can read this story as I release each chapter week by week. Nice. Um, all right. Do you guys think there is any, because a lot of the stuff we've sort of talked about with voice uh, and style is being of the ilk of, don't worry about it. You know, it'll be what it is. Do you think there is anything that you should worry about when it comes to your voice and style? Are there things that you should be on the lookout for, things that you should try to be picking up about your own writing to be critical, to be intentional about changing? Is there anything that in the past you guys have sort of actively tried to remove from your voice and your style at all? I'm curious to know if that's been the case. I mean, we talked about how, you know, there's, author voice versus character voice right and your author voice is going to bleed into everything you know uh 
but you do have to put effort into differentiating the characters. Um, and I think, I think you should put some thought into differentiating the voice between certainly between worlds, between series, you know, like if, um, and there's nothing wrong with having a, uh, like, like Joe Abercrombie has, uh, Rob said, has a very recognizable voice, uh, but he's also like great at writing characters. Hmm. Um, I actually, I haven't read any of his stuff out of the, that original first, uh, the first trilogy. Series. The first yeah. Oh, it gets so, so much I'm, better. I'm not sure like how much he changes voice. If he, if he does, not at all. If he was to write something totally different. I actually don't know. I, you know, I can't comment on that, but uh, for me, I, you know, I just, I don't want to have the same voice all the time. I want to play with new toys. Mm. And I mean, that's why I like Obsidian path. That was the first time I wrote a first person point of view. And it was brutally hard and entirely Brian Stavely's fault. Um, so, but like third person past tense, that's kind of more comfortable for me. Um, and then changing up like the number of uh, point of view characters you're writing and stuff. Um, yeah, I just, I want, I want different worlds to have different flavors and your voice, your writer voice is a part of how you achieve that. And so I, I think you, you know, you, you'd be well served to put some thought into how you're going to evolve that for each each world. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I think that I think the one thing to do is is to constantly be trying to improve it in a way that uh, that, that you want to. There are there are certainly ways to improve your voice. Like I I personally feel that mine is quite workmanlike in my prose. I do have some quite nice prose, but I I tend to feel myself. I'm you know on the sort of like. Brandon Sanderson style of things where I have quite a sort of uh, a workmanlike prose. I don't go into this sort of like, you know, purple fluffy prose where I'll, you know, describe the the, the sky as a, you know, expulsing asshole or whatever. I don't know. Whatever Fletcher said before. Um, it was probably something to do with bodily fluids, let's be fair. Um, it was. But, Damn it. But there are there are ways to, if, if you, you know, if you feel I want to have some more of, you know, Fletcher's uh, arsehole in my book. Um, there are ways to to do that. You can you can you can do it by sort of reading other books. So if, if you find that you want more sort of poetry in your prose, pick books that do that. Um, you know, there, there are the yeah, do, pick books to read that to do that. Like you know, um, there's a few that I can I can think of at the top of my head. Like you know, if you if you if you want poetry, read something like Sarah Chorn's books. That they're just these beautiful dark poetic um you know books with, with such sort of gorgeous prose they're, they're they're almost like romance books in fact there's there's another one if you want to have some really nice gorgeous prose in your books read some romance and i don't mean like the trashy erotica but i mean some like you know some, some really good romance books they they really do do the prose well so yeah you know yeah. think and of ways to like anna smith spark if you want to stray from the sort of like typical meat potatoes prose like read anna yeah. smith spark it's insane She's yeah. a monster. It's like a uh, sort of a, a wall of just you know concept. It, yeah, it's a it's a huge beat poem. It's like it's you're meant to be hearing it. You know the syllable counts. The, yeah, it it's total. It's insane. And we had her on our podcast a while ago too. So if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, go search up that, and you can hear her talk about that approach uh, from her own mouth. Yeah, that's an interesting technique because one of the things I was going to ask is. To what extent do you, uh, you know, see the influences of books that you're reading 
seep into what you're writing. And I'm certainly very similar to how it sounds that you are, Rob, um, in the sense of whatever I'm reading does tend to kind of get in there a little bit. And there are times when I look at previous books and at certain scenes in them and I go, oh yeah, I know exactly what I was reading while I was writing this because there's some big overlaps and similarities between it. And that might not be a bad thing by any means, but it is good to be aware of it. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think that being influenced by the things that you're you're reading is it can only be a good thing um you know it's 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 it shows not only the impact that those you know books or whatever had on you um but it, it's also yeah it's the way that you develop um and and change rather than just stagnating in your own little ecosystem that's it um did you have anything else to add before we kind of bring this one to a close Another topic nailed yet again. <laughs> What's the style? <laughs> Fixed forever. Now no yeah. one needs to worry about it ever more. And every single book published from this point on till the end of time will have perfect voice and perfect style. Nice work, team. Oh, we fixed it. We we fixed we, it. We fixed oh it. my god! You don't have to worry anymore, readers and writers. It's all fixed. Um, no, thank you, thank you to uh, Marcella for that question. Um, as I've mentioned in the previous two episodes, I won't plug it heaps this one. We do have a patron. And if you want to get priority access for asking questions of us, you can head over to our patron. The link to that is in the show notes down below. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention as well. Um, some of you may have seen on the Twitters that I've recently finished the interactive fiction story I've been writing since March of 2020, last year. So well over a year and a half. It's called The Siege of Treblin, and in it you rule a magical city that is under siege and you have to make the wise decisions needed to protect your people or the bad decisions needed to go down in flames uh, and have some interesting legends arise about you after your death. Your choice. Um, so if There's, no, the choice. Story, there's, there's no, no choice. There's no choice. How can you not want to burn everything down? Yeah, exactly. Um, there is there's actually like, because basically in the game, your decisions affect various stats and there's stats in there called tyranny and chaos. And I imagine that some players looking at you, Mike and Rob, would quite like to maximize the tyranny and the chaos stats in said game. Hey, hey, no, no, I, uh, chaos, yes, but I, I like the I, uh, liberal sort of ass. So, you know, oh, okay, you're not a tyrant. Uh, we'll Everybody should choose what they want to do as long as it's chaotic as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's well, doing what I tell you can do. <laughs> um, but basically, you finish the first draft of that. Uh, well, as of the time of recording a week ago, as of the time of you hearing this a month ago, um, and it came in like 260,000 words, you can play the first two chapters out of nine total chapters for this for free right now. We have like a demo version up of this game. Um, so I will put a link to that in the show notes below, but you can also get to it like really quickly just by typing in uh, Jedhern forward slash sorry, jedherm.com forward slash demo. And it will take you right to that particular uh, play test version of the game. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's cool because you can basically go through uh, like almost 20% of the game, I would say in that free demo version and get a feel of what it's about. Um, and hopefully by the time you're hearing this, I have gotten my notes back from my editor on the first draft and we're getting ready to kind of move it towards publication. I imagine it should be ready to come out probably early next year, but I'm not sure what the exact timelines are of that. Um, 
yeah, maybe we can get my editor on and we can like have a chat about it when that comes out because it's been a very interesting process to write a story that you don't have full control over what direction the readers are experiencing it in. Um, and it, it makes you think about narrative in a very different way. So that's been interesting. But yeah, if you go to jedhern.com forward slash demo uh, or look in the show notes below, there'll be a link to that free demo for it as well. Um, so plugs concluded for the episode. <laughs> um, thank you everybody for listening or watching and we will see you next week, hopefully with Dirk Ashton back for our next episodes as well. See you everybody. Draw. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.